Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I want to speak on one facet of that breakthrough that I believe is coming for many. Because I believe for many, the breakthrough that is going to be revealed in your life is in the form of restoration. I believe this morning that for many of you, God is going to give back what the devil has taken. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, when the thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. Well, I declare to you today, the thief has been caught. Can you say amen? (laughs) We know who he is. We know what he has done. We have caught him red-handed, and we demand sevenfold. What you took, give it back seven times. In the last few years, so much has been challenged and changed and, and even in some lives destroyed. So much has happened. So much has been hindered. And the question is, will it ever be the same? Well, I have good for you, good news for you. No, it will not be the same. The good news is it's going to be better. Listen to what I'm saying. It's going to be better because God has a plan. Can you hear what I'm saying? God has a plan. See, it is so easy to believe when a setback occurs or when a mistake is made or when crisis comes through our lives that somehow that's going to be final. I know in my life, I know that oftentimes when I have those moments where things aren't working the way I think they should or I've done something that I shouldn't have, I went left when I should have went right or I spoke up when I should have shut up or I kept quiet when I should have said something. You, you know what I'm talking about? Those, those moments where you look at that and you go, man, I really blew that opportunity or I really made a mistake. And, and we can get into those moments and we can feel like they're going to be final, that this is it. This is good as it gets. I, 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 nothing is, nothing's going to make this better. It's too late. It's too far gone. But I could tell you this morning that is not true because our God this morning is a God of restoration. He specializes in rebuilding what has been destroyed. And I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter what has happened, listen to my words, God has a plan. Now I want you to listen to a, a portion of scripture and I, I'm going to take a little bit of time to explain this to you because I, I really believe you need to catch this. Jeremiah 29, 11, if you've been around any length of time, you'll be familiar with this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now when this verse of scripture was written, Israel had been taken captive. They're exiled into a foreign land under a wicked king, and things did not look good. Yet in spite of it all, God says, I have a plan, and I have a good plan, a plan for a future and a hope. Jerusalem had come under attack. 
The city, was, uh, the, the city that was meant to declare God's name now lies in ruin. It stands bare, it's lifeless, it's unprotected, and it is a shameful shadow of its former glory. A powerhouse brought down. A chosen people scattered. A city in ruin. And it seemed if there, if, as if there was no hope. All that lied ahead, the only thing the people of Israel could see is pain and discouragement. Well, many years had passed, and a man by the name of Nehemiah hears the news about Jerusalem, that it was still vulnerable, and its walls were still broken down. Now, he knows the pride and the arrogance and the hard-heartedness of the people, and he knows that that has been what caused their destruction because God had warned them if they turn away from him, there would be consequences. And certainly, the consequences have arrived. Captivity, broken fortifications, reproach, and an entire city in disaster, an entire nation scattered. And grieved by all of this, Nehemiah pleads with God for the people by confessing their sins. He is so grieved by this that he travels to Jerusalem to see it for himself. And there, standing above the city, taking in all that remains, he cries out to God. And the good news is, God responds. God responds to an entire wayward nation because of this, sing, this single man, this one person, this one man that cried out to God. And through Nehemiah's leadership, God restores all that was lost and the promise is fulfilled. God's plan was for good, not for disaster. And he gave them a future filled with hope. I want to say to you today, if the last few years of your life have been difficult and have been a struggle, God has a plan and there is a hope, there is a future, and he has got something good for you. Can you say amen? amen. Now the question is this morning, will we let him do what he needs to do? Will we let him restore that which has been lost. Now, you would think that that would be a no-brainer. You would think that that would be an easy question. But the thing that I've discovered in ministry is oftentimes we don't let God do what he needs to do because God's way looks different than our way. It is because God does things that are counterintuitive to what we do. God will go left when we think we need to go right. God will say, let's go east so we could go to California. And it's like, God, that's a long way to get to California. And God says, no, no, I got a plan. You need to hear that today. God has a plan. God has a plan for you, and he has a plan to restore that which has been lost, even that which has been stolen. Amen. Has anybody ever heard... Have you ever had anything stolen in your life? I mean, I remember a time Kathy and I, we, we, we went through a season where we, we were moving from one house to another, and because of the logistics of the move, we had to rent a storage unit. 
And we had to take some of the stuff in our house to the storage unit, and we kind of had to play, you know, shuffleboard, so to speak, with all of our stuff. Well, one day I was, I was at Jacob's Ladder, and I was doing Jacob's Ladder, and Kathy was, you know, packing and doing and moving stuff, and she goes to our storage unit, and lo and behold, somebody had broken in and stole everything. I mean, everything that had any value. They left a few things. But they stole stuff that was sentimental. They, they stole some stuff that had no value to anyone else but me. And, you know, I remember when Kathy came and told me the story. She came to Jacob's Ladder. She said, somebody's broken into our, our, our storage unit, and all your mom's stuff is gone. Yeah. And I remember something rose up inside of me that I wanted to find these people, and I wanted to make them pay. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Amen. I wanted to break into their house and steal their stuff. You know, you, you kind of get that visceral reaction at first, don't you? And then you settle in and you go, well, I don't know that I could do that because first of all, I don't know who stole it. So we made a police report and we went and jumped through all the hoops and all the frustration. But in the end, what happens is God replaced it. In the end, insurance came through. In the end, it was completely restored. We still have never found out who broke in. We still never got back what was stolen, but God gave us better. God made a way where there seems to be no way. Well, I'm here to tell you there's another type of stealing going on today because the devil has a plan. Listen to what I'm saying. Because the devil is interested not in physical treasure, the devil's not really interested in your money or your house or your things or your car. He really don't care about any of that. The devil is interested in spiritual treasure. Things that have value with God and things that are truly significant. See, because if we let him, Satan will come in and steal your hopes and your dreams because he knows that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Satan will come in and steal your vision, your revelation, and your understanding because he knows where there is no vision, the people perish. Satan will come in and try to steal your joy because he knows that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Satan will come in and try to steal your faith because he knows without faith it's impossible to please God. Satan will come in and try to steal your peace because he knows chaos wears out the soul of a man or a woman. He'll try to steal your integrity because he knows that sin drives a wedge between you and God. Satan will try to steal your security because he knows that fear is filled with torment. He'll even try to steal your health because he knows sickness and disease and pain will cause us to question God. And this should come as no surprise to us because the devil is a thief. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, he says this, that Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If he's coming, he's coming to do that. I don't care what he's saying. 
He may show up as an angel of light, but his ultimate goal is to rip you off. Can you say amen? And that may be the plan of hell this morning, but there is another plan. There is a better plan, and it's a plan of redemption and a plan of restoration. And the thing that amazes me about our Father in heaven is his commitment to restore. One of the greatest promises in all of the Word of God is the promise of restoration. Listen to Joel chapter 2, verses 25 through 27. It says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Listen to that. Listen to the heart of God. This is a nation that constantly went back to false gods. They turned their back on God. They constantly were sinning. But yet the passion and the drive of God was to bring restoration. God will restore what's been stolen. God will restore what has been lost. He even will restore what has been surrendered. Listen to me. God wants to restore your hope. He wants to restore your joy and your faith. He wants to reestablish your peace and your confidence. He wants to repair your integrity and your testimony. <clears throat> he wants to renew your security and your passion. He wants to restore your health and revive your marriage. He wants to return your family your friends, and your relationships because our God is the God who restores. There are so many people today that are living in this place where life has gotten blown apart. Things have happened. Decisions have been made. And it hasn't ended well. And they live in chaos. We ought not to live in chaos. Can you say amen? We ought not to live under the control of the enemy. We ought not to be victims of his plan when God has a greater plan. Can you say amen? amen. Now I know there's, as we look around the room, there's a variety of people here, and if we were to interview everyone and talk to everyone, you all have different problems in different situations. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what the situation. I don't care what has happened. God's desire is to restore that which has been lost. God is to, wants to give it back. Can you say amen? amen? God is telling us this morning he is going to give back the time, the talent, the resources that have been wasted. God is saying he is going to put back into joint that which is out of joint. He is going to replenish, reinstate, and reestablish what has been lost, stolen, and surrendered. God is a God of restoration. He's a God of second chances. Can you say amen? He's a God of new life. There is no greater picture this morning. 
There is no greater picture of God's willingness and his, his ability and his desire to restore than in our text. It's a story of great power and supernatural ability. It's a story of great insight. Its design and its intent is to stir us and to energize our faith in him. I want you to look at this today. With everything that we've said so far, I want you to listen to this text, Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 1. The Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the old dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you, will know, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to breathe into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, into you and you will, be, you will come to life. <clears throat> then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke these words just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as they had been before. Then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones. Then the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak to the winds and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke as he commanded me, and the winds entered the bodies, and they began to breathe, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army of them. Now that is amazing to me. That is a picture that blows my mind because I cannot think of anything more wasted than a valley of dry bones. They weren't even skeletons. They were just simply a scattering of bones throughout the valley. These animals had come in and had pulled these bodies apart and the bones were drug all over. They were dry, they were cracked, they were brittle, they were old, they were bleached by years of sitting out in the sun. When you looked at it, there was no hope. None. It was done. It was over. Move on. But God said, can these bones live? That's the question we have to answer and you need to look into the mirror, and whatever it is that you need God to restore, you need to say, God, can you restore this? And your answer should be a resounding yes. I don't care what your marriage looks like. I don't care what your finances look like. I don't care what your health looks like. I don't care what your neighborhood looks like, your family, your children. You need to look in that mirror and say, God, you will restore that which has been lost. You will give it back, and you will make it better than it was before it started. Can you say amen? amen? This is a prophecy to the house of Israel, declaring God's promise to restore her. Israel, we know, had played the harlot. They had become aggressive in sin, worshiping false gods. Time and time again, Israel sold herself to the lowest bidder, only become lost and broken one more time. And as God viewed the situation, Israel had become a graveyard filled with dead men's bones. 
It had become a nation without hope and without a future. But God had another plan. God had a plan of redemption. God had a plan of revival. God had a plan of new life so that his people would know that he was El Shaddai, that he was Jehovah Jireh, that he is Jehovah Rapha. Can you say amen? And the thing that gives me such hope this morning is God was committed to restore Israel and heal their land after all that this nation had done. Is there a time, church, when you have done too much that God can't restore it? Is there a time the only thing God cannot restore is that which you will not allow him? That's the only thing. The only thing God can't put back together is when you don't give it all to him. If you give it all to him, he will restore it. It may not go the way you want. It may may not be on your time schedule. And it may be with methods you have never thought of. But God will restore. Can you say amen to that? For the children of Israel, the Valley of Dry Bones represents their spiritual condition. And maybe even some of us here today, maybe we feel like that. Maybe the last few years have been hard on us. But I think for the most of us today, it's much more abstract than that. We see the Valley of Dry Bones as a place where dreams have been shattered, promises go unfulfilled, and hope is lost. Joy turns to sorrow. Faith gives way to doubt. Strength fades into weakness. The Valley of Dry Bones is where marriages and friendships and relationships are torn apart by strife. Physical health is turned into sickness and disease, and hopelessness seems to be the only thing that's left. But the truth is, because we can't go by what we see, church. If you get anything, get this out of this sermon. Don't go by what you see, because what you see is about to change. Don't go by what you feel, because what you feel is about to change. Don't go by what you hear, because there's going to be another voice speaking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the truth is, the valley of dry bones is a place that exists in the heart of every human being, but it is also the place of one of the greatest revivals in human history. Because the valley of dry bones is a place where death becomes life, hopelessness becomes anticipation, Sickness becomes health. Doubt becomes faith. Joy overflows. Strength is restored. And the impossible becomes obtainable. The valley of dry bones that exists in your life can be the place of God's greatest moving. Or it can be a place of a never-ending struggle to just get by. The thing you and I must do is answer the question, can these bones live? Can these bones live? God takes Ezekiel on a spiritual journey and he shows him this valley filled with impossibility. And God asks the prophet a simple question, can these bones live? 
what God's saying to Ezekiel. Is it, is it too late, Ezekiel? Is this too far gone? Are things too far out of hand here? Is there really no hope? I don't know how many times in the course of conversations with people that this mindset is revealed. More often than not, people who have encountered a setback or a failure or a rejection or a tragedy, they tend to think, well, this is it. It's just too late. It's just too late. And God is saying to us today, it's never too late. That's the point of the story. No matter how bad it may seem with God, it is never too late. Listen this morning. God is obsessed, and I use that word deliberately. That's not necessarily a good word to describe God, but God is obsessed with redemption and restoration. He forgives our sins. He restores our life. He heals our sickness and our disease. He gives our bodies to divine life. He restores our finances. He, he brings abundance. He redeems our minds. And he sets us free because he wants us restored. Restoration is something that every one of us need in some area of our life. And that's why no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what it may look like, no matter what the report you have received, remember this, God is not done. God is not done. In John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, tells the story of a man named Lazarus. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. You remember the story? Word gets to Jesus, and Jesus seems to delay. The message comes, Lazarus is sick. He's on his deathbed, and Jesus goes, that's fine. He'll be all right. No, you need to get there now. I, I, we'll get there when we get there. Don't worry about it. I got a plan. I got a plan. Don't you hate it when people do that to you? So what are we doing? I, don't, I got a plan. Don't worry about it. Well, could you enlighten me? Could you let me know what the plan is? I think I'd feel a lot better if I knew what the plan was. Jesus says, don't worry about it. He, he's just sleeping. And the disciples, well, what's the problem? If he's sleeping, he's going to get better. Rest is good, right? And Jesus finally he has to look at him and go, look, guys, he's dead. They're like, well, then we better get there. We, we ought to do something. He goes, it's all right. I got a plan. Finally, Jesus shows up. A couple days later, Mary and Martha run out to him. Martha particularly. It says, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, no, no, he's going to rise again. There's, he's going to rise again. She goes, I know, the resurrection. I, I can't wait. till." Isn't that true? Isn't that how when somebody dies, there's always people that come and go, oh, you know what? You're going to see him again. I don't want to see him again. I want to see him now. 
Amen. In the midst of our grief, <clears throat> I remember when my mom passed away. My mom, if you don't know, you probably don't know because she passed away quite a while ago. My mom was a social worker. She worked with foster children. She loved babies. My mom was really maternal. Hence, I'm a big baby. <clears throat> and my mom just loved kids. And I remember people would come up and they'd go, they would say to me, well, you know, God just needed another mother in heaven to take care of all the kids up there. And I was thinking in my mind, get to somebody else's mother. At the time, there was a woman in our church. She had been in our church for a long time. Her name was Jackie Bowers. And I think Jackie was in her 90s at this point. And then she lived just two doors down from me. And I would often go over to Jackie's house and help her with various things. And she'd always make me sit down and tell me stories. And towards the end of her life, she would, I would sit down and she would just look at me and she'd go, John, why am I here? I just want to go be with Jesus. Her husband, Hugh, had already passed and was already in heaven. And she says, I just want to go see Hugh and I, I just want to go sit down with Jesus and be with him. And I remember thinking that when my mom passed, I'm, take Jackie. She wants to go. <laughs> is, is that, is that too, too raw? It's like if you need some, if you just need more labor up there, then Jackie wants to go. You Take her. But this is kind of the feeling. It's like, Lord, what's happening? But in this case, something was about to happen that was going to blow their minds. They were going to see who Jesus really was. That day, Jesus was the resurrection and the life. He stood at the grave door, prayed and commanded Lazarus to come forth. And you know what he did? Because God restored him. God restored him. That's good news. Why? Because I could tell you your answer has already been dispatched. I could tell you what you need, God's already making a way. Now, it may not work out the way you like. It may not work out the way you want, but it will work out for your good and his glory. And he is going to make a way. So I don't think this morning as I begin to wind this down, that there is any greater enemy to our faith than time. The hardest part of faith is that we have to simply wait. Sometimes we've got to wait. I, don't, I know the, the, the way I am. I want things fixed now. Now. I don't want to go through the process. I want it now. Now. Fix it. Just, let's just fix it. Let's get it done. I don't want to have to go through all of this. Just fix that person in my life. Just, just, make, just give me the money. Just, just give it to me. You get, you, I'll go fishing. I'll first fish. I'll open his mouth and there it is. Just fix it. But sometimes God doesn't work on our timetable, does he? And we have to be careful when it seems like Jesus is delaying. 
The thing, first thing that we have to remind ourselves is if he delays in answering the prayer, even if things get worse, he's still able to make it better. Are you hearing me? Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36 says this, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great rep- re- recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that you, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Sometimes it doesn't always happen as fast as we like. So we have to wait. Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And in Psalm 27, verse 14, he says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I believe that this year is going to be a great year. And I believe for many of you, you're going to have some things restored. For some of you, it may be a marriage. For some of you, it may be finances. Some of you, it will be your health. For some of you, it will be wayward children that have Gone, gone away and there's been no communication, God's going to bring them back. For some of you, it will be other relationships, family members that have gone wayward, that God's going to restore that relationship. Some marriages in this place are going to be restored. Where you thought there was no hope, this is done, it's over, it's dead. Look at its dry bones. It's gone. And God's going to come at, cause it to come alive again. For some of you, it's going to be your dreams. There's people in this place that you've waited so long now, the dream is beginning to fade. God says, I'm going to restore it. I'm going to make it new again. Not only will you have a new dream, you're going to realize that dream. This year is going to be a good year. And you might ask me, you might say to me, well, how do you know that? Well, quite frankly, I can't tell you that I know it. But I can say this, I am going to declare it. And I'm going to stand upon it because I believe that's what God's doing. I believe we're heading into a season of revival. The Bible says this, where sin abounds, grace will more abound. There is nothing so bright as a light in a dark room. We're living in a dark room, folks. Sin is abounding, but God is about to show off. Because God says, I'm not done yet. You thought I was done, but I'm not done yet. And it's not too late. Because I'm a God of restoration. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this truth. We thank you, Lord, that you've encouraged us and you are helping us. And Father, I pray, Lord, for every person in this room today that is struggling, Lord, in their life. Maybe there is something that has 
just got wasted. It's, it's, it's been destroyed, circumstance and situation and problems and difficulties. And now they've come to a place that's like, I don't even know. It's too late. It's done. Lord, there's people in this place because of their age. They say, it's too late. I'm too old. God says, it's never too late. And you can't be too old. Because it's not about you. It's about me. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll give you strength. In your weakness, I'll perfect my strength. That's what God's saying to us today. And God's saying, it's not done. I'm not done. I'm going to finish what I set out to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? I just want to encourage you today. And you know what I want you to do is make a commitment. I challenge you today that when you go home, write down, write it down, date it, January 1st, 2023, whatever it is that you want restored, whatever it is you want back, whatever it is that you're believing God to get involved in, write that down. And every day, begin to speak to it. Begin to speak to it and say, you are restored. You are restored. And watch what God will do. Can you say amen? Why don't we stand to our feet all across this place? I'm going to ask the prayer ministry team if they come, would come and be up front for prayer. If you need prayer of any kind, come on up. Let them minister to you. We'll see you next week. You guys have a wonderful day. Try to stay real dry. Seems like it's going to rain all day. God bless. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.